Well, when we were singing the children's song, song earlier on, um, I wonder if you really believed it when you, when you sung about uh, the fact that we will not fear uh, what tomorrow brings and sung about Jesus being the peace in our troubles. As Sarah said, this morning we're going to be concluding our series that we've been in over the past few weeks. Two weeks ago we were talking about simplifying our purpose and we saw that the ultimate purpose of each of us uh, should be to glorify God and that everything we do should be done in light of that. Last week we were looking at simplifying our finances and thought about the fact that if Jesus is Lord, if we accept him as the Lord of our lives, he should also be Lord over our bank balances uh, as well and that we should use our money in light of that. This week we're finishing by looking at another area of our lives that I know some of us struggle with, namely our concerns. Simplify your concerns uh, from anxious to peaceful. I don't know about you, but I certainly have it in me to get anxious about things from time to time. I remember one occasion, uh, it, was, it was a few years ago now actually, when I was going to the dentist, and I wouldn't really like to admit to you how long it had been since I'd previously gone to the dentist. Um, it, was, it was quite a long stretch. And so I was going for this checkup and I arrived and I sat down in the waiting room. And when I got there, I was fine. But as I sat in the waiting room, I started to worry. I had been, as I say, an embarrassingly long time since my last checkup. Uh, and I started to worry what they would find when they got in there. And I kept on worrying about it, and in that short time I was sitting there in the dentist's waiting room, I went from being completely fine to having fully convinced myself that when I got in there, they would find that every single one of my teeth was completely rotten and they would take them all out uh, right then and there. I'm pretty sure that that is what is called catastrophizing, um, but it didn't stop me from worrying about it. As it happened, my teeth were completely fine, uh, nothing to worry about at all, not even a filling. So my worry, which couldn't have achieved anything even if uh, something was wrong, uh, was doubly unnecessary uh, because there was nothing wrong at all. There was nothing to worry about. Didn't stop me from worrying, though. Now, I guess I could have had a right concern uh, when it came to my teeth. I, I could have, you know, brushed them twice a day, which I do, by the way. I could brush them twice a day um, because I want to take care of, of the teeth God's given me. That would be a right concern. Um, but the worry uh, in the dentist's waiting room was not helpful. And I'm not the only one either. When I said before that I don't know about you, I guess it would have been more accurate to say that I don't know about all of you. I do know about some of you because I asked you uh, during the week. Uh, I emailed you and asked you to uh, let me know your, your top three worries. And uh, 20 people uh, responded to my email. And it seems that, that there are things that we worry about. Only, only one person of the 20 people who responded said, actually, there's, there's not really anything I worry about at the moment. But the other 19 were able to give me a top three, which doesn't mean that they don't worry about more things than that, just that I asked them for only three things. And there were lots of things that crossed over, perhaps unsurprisingly. Uh, the, the top worry uh, from people was worries to do with health and mortality, um, either their own or members of their family. 11 people out of the 20 had that as one of their worries. A close second was worries to do with money. Uh, nine people out of 20 uh, worried about that. Some of them even admitting that they, that they have plenty of money, but they still worry about it. Uh, next was uh, different kinds of worries to do with one's children. There were six uh, that listed all kinds of different worries about their kids, though actually only of, of the 20, only 10 of them had children. So that was six people um, out of 10 uh, possible that, that worried about their kids. 
After that, it was a draw with five each between worries about work and worries about things to do more with fully, uh, fulfilling your potential in life or living the way that you ought to. Quite surprisingly, there was only one person who had on their list the worry, maybe Dumbo really lived. If he did, we should really reunite him with his mother. It was just the one person. Um, but whatever they may be, we do have our worries. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 6 to see what Jesus has to say about that, though. Uh, we're going to be Matthew chapter 6, which in the Red Church Bibles is on page 971. Uh, if you don't have a Bible and would like one, if you wave a hand in the air, I hope someone will bring you one. It's Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. are Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, it's worth saying uh, right at the beginning, before we carry on, uh, that there'll be some people for whom anxiety uh, becomes something which is beyond their control uh, to manage, or at the very least, who, who need help. Uh, in, in order to do that. And it's, it's right uh, that, that, that they do that. There's nothing faithless about seeking help. Uh, seeking, seeking medical help is not unspiritual. It's not wrong for us to use the, the means God has provided us with. I think it's, it's worth saying that, but that's not going to be our focus uh, this morning. We're going to be focusing this morning uh, more on the kind of everyday worry that is common uh, to all of us. Uh, that said, what is said will not be unhelpful Uh, to people who find themselves in that position, so so do stay with us. We're going to look at at three things from our passage this morning. The command, the motivation, and the alternative. But firstly, the command. The command is, do not worry. Look back at verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food, and your body more important than clothes? Food and drink and clothing. Uh, Spurgeon calls these the world's trinity of cares. The world's trinity of cares. And I don't think Jesus is uh, limiting what we shouldn't worry about to food and drink and clothes. Don't worry about these, but you can worry about whatever else you like. No, uh, it's it's a kind of a catch-all for the worries of the world. Do not worry about the world's, do not worry about what the world worries about. We aren't to give ourselves over to worldly worries. Verse 25 begins, therefore. 
Uh, we should never, when we're reading the Bible, just kind of pick out a passage out of context and think about it, what it means without thinking about where it comes. Uh, that should never be the case. But particularly if, if there's a therefore at the beginning or a but at the beginning, it's like a big flashing neon sign telling us to check what came before because it's going to help us what, understand what comes after. So glance back up with me at verse 19 of chapter 6. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and dust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And skipping down to verse 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, don't worry. The therefore at the beginning of our passage comes after these verses. It's because of those things the world worries about and are ruled by um, that, that, they, that they worry about the, these things. Their hearts are set on worldly things and they end up worrying about them. John Stott uh, said, in, uh, said this, an exclusive preoccupation with food, drink, and clothing could be justified only if physical survival were the be-all and end-all of existence. If life were all about the here and now and only about that, if that was all there was, then worldly worries would be justifiable. It would be, it would be justifiable, justifiable to worry about the here and now because that is all there would be. But that's just not the case. Jesus isn't saying, don't think about these things at all. He knows that we need them. Uh, we, we're, we're reminded that God the Father knows that we need those things later on in the passage. Being told uh, not to worry about them doesn't mean uh, that, that he doesn't acknowledge that we need those things. Earlier on in this same chapter, Jesus is teaching his disciples how to pray to the Father. It's where he teaches them the Lord's Prayer. And what does it include? Uh, have a look back at verse 10. Give us today our daily bread. We're to ask God for the things of this world that we need. It's fine for us to do that. It's right even to acknowledge before him the things that we need and ask him for those things. I think it's something of a comfort in light of the fact that we're not to worry about these things, that it's right for us to acknowledge before God that we need, him, that we need them and to ask him for them. And we saw last week that saving isn't wrong either. Greedy hoarding for ourselves is, but as long as it comes within a bigger framework of being rich towards God, as we were looking at last week, saving is, is wise. So what Jesus is forbidding is not thought about the things of this world, uh, nor is it forethought about the things of this world that we need. What he's forbidding is anxious thought about worldly things. He's saying that's not fitting for his people to anxiously worry about the things of this world. It's not what God wants for his people. Far from anxiety, what God wants for his people is peace. It's a huge theme throughout the Bible, peace. Uh, it's, it's really big in the Old Testament. Uh, you might be familiar with the Hebrew uh, word shalom, which is, which is the Hebrew for peace. It comes all the time in the Old Testament. And it doesn't just refer to a kind of lack of war. It has a much bigger meaning of that. It refers to completeness and wholeness uh, within the individual and between individuals, and in society at large. That's what God wants for his people. And it carries over this idea of peace into the New Testament. In fact, in the Old Testament, they look forward to it carrying over into the New Testament. The prophets in the Old Testament look forward to the arrival of the Prince of Peace. It's a name for Jesus. 
He's the ultimate bringer of peace. Paul says in Ephesians that he is our peace, talking about the unity uh, that that he brings about between those who follow him. And through his death, he also makes peace possible between God's people and God himself. In John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says this to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, but, hmm, I don't know where that sentence should finish, you might want to look it up later, do not let your hearts be troubled. Jesus is about to be killed, but he's talking to them about peace. At the beginning of of all his letters, Paul, Paul offers grace and peace to the people. He says, grace and peace from God be with you. You can check it. You can go through all of Paul's letters. At the beginning of every single one, we see grace and peace. Don't do that right now. Stay with me. But later on, uh, you might like like to check that. It's really important, this idea of peace. He wants us not to worry, but to know peace. We'll think more about why that's possible for us uh, in a few moments. But first, some, some kind of caveats, if you like. There are a number of things that Christians are not exempt from in light of the fact that we're told not to worry about worldly things. Uh, for starters, Christians aren't exempt from earning their own living. Uh, not everyone, of course, is in a position to be able to do that, but as a general rule. Our passage talks about God providing us with the things uh, that we need. We're not to worry about food and drink and clothing. It says he provides the birds with food, and he will do it for us as well. But birds, of course, still need to work to some extent um, for their food. They fly around and and they collect it. Uh, They bring it to their young. Some of them even store it up. And it's the same for us. We need to work for it, even though we acknowledge that it's a provision uh, from God. Uh, The time in the Old Testament where ravens feed the prophet Elijah by, by bringing him bread and meat is not the norm of the Christian life. That is not the way God provides us uh, with the things that we need normally. Uh, We usually have to work for it all the same, even though we thank God uh, for providing us with it. Also, Christians aren't exempt from responsibility to others. God God will provide, and His people should be open to being the means by by which He does that providing, by which He provides for other people. People aren't to worry about the things of this world, so we should help them in that where possible by ensuring that they have the things uh, that they need. There are, of course, people around us who don't have those things, who don't have enough. And it's fantastic that out of St. Mark's, we, we run food bank. When Kat sends out emails on support net, uh, we respond to those. We help people have the things that they need. There are, there are those in our church family who worry about being alone. Uh, that was the, one of the worries that came back. Um, from people that I emailed during the week. So what do we do about that? What do we do in order to make St. Mark's a real church family uh, where there's hospitality and community, where no one uh, feels alone, regardless of their, their age or relationship status or anything else? We are to be the bringers of God's peace, not just not worrying about ourselves, but really practically helping others not to worry either. Also, despite this command not to worry about uh, worldly things, Christians are not exempt from facing trouble uh, in the world. We thought just now about uh, Jesus um, speaking to people, about giving them his peace uh, in John's Gospel, and just a few chapters after he said that, in John chapter 16, he says this to his disciples, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. 
It might seem slightly paradoxical, but, but trouble and peace are not mutually exclusive. You can have trouble in this world and still have peace. In fact, Jesus says we will have trouble, and yet he gives us the command not to worry about worldly things. We can have trouble in this life and still have peace because our peace is rooted in something greater than this life. Jesus, uh, Jesus knew this all too well. He knew that we would have trouble. When he said this uh, to his followers, he knew that he would eventually be killed. He knew that that was what he was facing. We don't know what will happen in the future. Jesus did know. He knew that, that something uh, awful was going to happen to him, and yet he didn't worry. He didn't have anxiety um, about it. When God tells us not to worry, he's not doing so from like an unfeeling, unknowing place. He knows what it is to be in our position, to have things uh, that we could worry about, but he tells us not to. Let's think about why that's possible as we look at our second point, uh, the motivation. What is the motivation that we have uh, for not worrying? Jesus wonderfully doesn't just say, don't worry. He, he says, don't worry, and gives us really good reason not to. The motivation not to worry, the reason we're able not to worry about the things of this world, is that we have a heavenly Father. Look down at verse 26 of our passage. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Notice who it is that Jesus says feeds the birds. It's not their Father. No, it's your Father. Yes, God is the creator of the birds, uh, but he's not their Father. He's our Father. He cares, he cares enough about the birds to, fee, to feed them, but how much more does he care about us, his children, who are much more valuable to him? So often, we, the cause of our worry is that we don't know what will happen in the future, or there's something in our lives that we're not in control of. And yet, we have a heavenly Father who does know uh, what will happen in the future, and for whom everything is under his control. Ensuring we don't forget who he is helps us to guard against worry and anxiety. We're told time and again to bring our worries to him and reminded of the peace that he offers us. In Philippians, for example, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 7, says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a great passage. Uh, likewise, in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. We don't just have a heavenly Father who knows the future and who is in control of everything. We have one who cares for us, who knows our every need, who wants us to ask him for the things we need. If we're preoccupied with anxieties about the things of this world, then we've no doubt, at least to some extent, lost sight of who he is to us and what he promises us. Verse 31 of our passage, uh, again, so do not worry, saying, what shall I eat, or what shall I drink, or what shall I wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. We're uh, not to worry about these things, to run after them, because we have a heavenly Father. We're not to run after those things. We're not to anxiously seek them. But that doesn't mean that, that we're not to seek anything. 
See, simplifying our concerns is not about eliminating our concerns altogether. It's not about having no concerns at all. We're not called to some kind of quietism where we just quietly drift through life without a care in the world, uh, accepting everything that, it, that comes along without worrying about it. Freedom from concern is not opting for an easy life. And that brings us to our final point, the alternative. Have a look down at verse 33. It begins like this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Worldly worries um, are, are ruled out, but what are not ruled out are kingdom concerns. There are things that it is right for us to be concerned about, things that it is right for us to concern ourselves with. There are concerns that we should have, uh, but they aren't worldly worries. They are kingdom concerns. We're, not to, we're, we're to be concerned about the advancement of God's kingdom. Earlier on in the chapter, as I've already said, earlier on in verse 6, we get Jesus teaching the Lord's Prayer, and he does teach people within the Lord's Prayer to say, give us today our daily bread, to ask for the things that, that we need. But that's not the first thing he teaches people to pray. No, the Lord's Prayer begins, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our primary concern. And his will includes us being concerned about these things. Uh, these things uh, actually include a lot of the things that people emailed me back with some of their worries. Uh, you'll be happy to know that I didn't email people to tell me their worries only to tell them off for having them um, when we got to this morning. Uh, that, that wouldn't have been a great way to go. Um, a lot of the things that, that people said, that, that, that their worries, are things that it's right to, for us to be concerned about, not to be anxious about, not, not, to, not to worry about in that sense, but to have as our concerns. We shouldn't be worried about them. We shouldn't be giving uh, them over to, to anxious thought, but we should nonetheless be rightly concerning ourselves with them. Uh, our kids, if we have them, are one of them. We're not to be anxious about them, but the Bible does tell us that we should care for them. We should treat them well. We should bring them up in the knowledge of the Lord. Those are kingdom concerns. Our parents are another. Jesus once rebuked a man uh, for not supporting his aging mother because he'd given too much money to the temple. Might have looked like he was doing the right thing, but Jesus said that there were concerns that he should have for the people around him. Our work is another. We're to be concerned with, uh, with our work, whatever our work involves, in doing it as though working for Jesus, as we were just looking at two weeks ago. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, other Christians, are another concern we should have. Paul, in his letters, regularly talks about the concern he has uh, for the Christians that he is writing to. He's concerned about their spiritual well-being. It's a concern that we should share with him. We should be concerned for those around us, their needs. Simplifying our concerns is not about eliminating them, uh, but it might be about categorizing them, uh, if you like. Maybe we need to look at our concerns, and there, there might be lots of them. There, there'll be practical ones, providing for ourselves and our family, our work, our health, our money, perhaps the wider society, some more ex existential ones, a fulfillment of our purpose, reaching our potential, uh, living the way that we should live. Perhaps spiritual concerns as well. Uh, has God really forgiven me uh, for that? Will I, will I spend eternity with him? Or, or if you like, has my past been dealt with and is my future secure? We may need to, to look at our concerns and ask ourselves uh, whether our concerns are worldly worries or kingdom concerns. Am I anxious about this, or am I rightly concerned about this? 
Am I, am I uh, acting on this concern in an attempt to glorify God with, with my life? It might be that there are things in the, in the anxieties column that, that are actually good things for us to concern ourselves with, but we just need to look at them uh, slightly differently. Trust God with them and act on them in a godly way, making them a kingdom concern instead of a worldly worry. There, there might be things that help you differentiate between them as well. Does this, does this concern uh, produce panic? Uh, because it's actually something that's completely out of your control that you can do nothing about. That's, that's probably going to be an anxiety. Or does it produce action? Uh, because you're acting on something uh, that you should be rightly concerning yourself with for God's kingdom. Do they, do they breed distrust in God uh, or, or dependence on God's goodness? Do they incite unbelief or faithfulness towards God? Do they lead to prayerlessness or to prayerfulness? Uh, prayer is a great antidote uh, against anxiety. When we feel there is nothing that we can do about a situation, there is always something that we can do. Uh, we can pray about it. We can always bring it before our Heavenly Father who cares for us. It would be wise for us to, to make it a practice to have prayer be a kind of knee-jerk reaction in the face of anything uh, that is likely to cause us worries or anxiety. It may be that, that some of the anxieties that we need to work hard at not being anxious about uh, and, and trusting God with, perhaps we need to talk to other people about it. Um, say, I say, I'm finding it really hard to, to, to bring this before God, to not be worried or anxious about this. We needn't do it uh, by ourselves. We have God's help and also the help of, of other Christians, of our Christian brothers and sisters. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, it's well within my abilities to be anxious about nothing at all. Uh, there are times that I, that I realize that I've been feeling anxious, perhaps for, for some time, and upon examining it, I uh, realize that there is absolutely no cause of it, uh, no reason to be worried at all. It's just there, and then I'm quite able to, to, to bring it before God and talk to Him about it and hand it over to Him. It was not always easy to, to stop and question myself about the anxiety in the first place, something I definitely need to work on, perhaps you do as well. Uh, and this is not just going to be a one-off activity. Uh, categorizing our concerns, if you like, making sure that they're kingdom concerns, not worldly worries. Uh, like, like Sarah was talking about the weeds and brambles, anxieties are likely to keep on growing up. Although I think they're less likely to grow the more we focus ourselves on our Heavenly Father and His goodness to us. Again, simplifying our concerns is not about eliminating them altogether. Jesus says, do not worry about worldly things. Worry isn't productive and tempts us to forget about God, who He is to us, and His goodness to us. But we aren't called to carelessness uh, either. We're to seek His kingdom and His righteousness, concerning ourselves, as it were, uh, with, with those things that, that are kingdom concerns, that advance His kingdom. I'm going to invite the band uh, back up, and as they come up, let's, uh, let's stand to pray.